Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Annie Ranking, and I am a Family Resource Specialist with StarNet Regions 1 and 3, and I am so excited to be starting our family series of um, interviewing families who have children with special needs, children who are seeking out services in early childhood settings. And so today, um, for one of our first interviews, I'm going to be interviewing someone from Southern Illinois, and her name is Lacey Thigg. Pen. And I know her because at one time when I was a university professor, she was a student of mine. And we have now um, become friends and do many trainings together and have a professional relationship. And so I'm excited to um, interview her and for all of you to hear her story. So welcome, Lacey. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, and so I just want to start by having you tell um, tell about your family just to kind of give listeners an idea of of who you are and um, who makes up your family. Okay. So my family um, is myself, my husband, who I love dearly. Um, we have four children. Our oldest daughter um, is not my biological daughter. I met my husband when she was two years old. So most of her life I've been there. Um, I've been present. She's now 14. We have a six-year-old boy, a five-year-old girl, and a soon-to-be four-year-old girl. So we had our, our three youngest back to back to back. Um, we are a very uh, energetic and <laughs> tend to be loud family. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I'm on the phone with Lacey, you can hear lots of stuff happening in the background. And sometimes when we first started doing that, I said, Lacey, what is all that noise? And she goes, oh, that's just my family. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so sometimes from an outside perspective, it may sound a little chaotic, but that is your your life and your reality. Um, so to... Um, dive into your um, your youngest three. Um, which of them, or do any of them, um, receive special services right now in the school setting? So my middle daughter, um, she receives speech. Currently, she's in uh, kindergarten. And so can you, um, so the reason I invited Lacey on is because she told me and was kind of... Um, lamenting with me about the process to get her middle child to into speech services. Um, and so can you tell us that story, Lacey? Yes. So when Leslie was, um, so my daughter's name is Leslie. She's a girl. When Leslie was two years old, I mean, she had a great vocabulary. She really could communicate her thoughts. Um, but I noticed that her articulation, like there were some concerns that I had. Um, like being an early child educator, we are, sometimes we assess our children quite often. <laughs> and so, Leslie, I was concerned about her speech, um, but, you know, I knew she was still two, and I continued to uh, wait until she got older. <laughs> 
so the pause right now is because one of her children has come in and she has muted herself, but we are going to pick back up. That's why we are interviewing families so you can really understand the reality of what our lives are right now during COVID. So yes, go for it. Lacey. Sorry. Uh, and so um, as she got older, when she turned three, I was still talking to her teachers in her class and Leslie, she was at that time going to a head start um, because I had quit my job and my, in, you know, lost my income. And sorry about the noise in the back. That's just my children washing their hands. And I, um, so we qualified for head start. And so I was talking to her head start teachers, you know, saying I have these concerns about her speech and because, you know, and I was constantly hearing that, Oh no, she's fine. Oh no, she like Leslie can tell us what she's thinking. Oh no, she she has one of the best vocabulary in the class. And I mean, I just I continue to hear that. And I say, yes, I understand, you know, she has a great vocabulary, but some of her sounds are not there. And I mean, the teachers made me feel like I was crazy. And I finally had to tell them, I said, for the amount of engagement and language that we use at home, the fact that she's not saying certain sounds is a concern to me. And so I was finally able to get the the special service coordinator to help me set up an interview with the district to get her screened. And so I took her and I got her screened and um, they came back was like, oh, she's such a lovely girl. She's so nice. Um, You know, yes, there are some articulation concerns, but you know, she's still young, so we'll wait. And so at that point I was like, okay, you know, maybe this is in my head. Um, but I have friends that were as speech pathologists and I had the experience of kind of being around people who worked with children who need speech services. So, you know, I started asking like, what would you do if you have this child? Um, and so, you know, I had some that would print me stuff off. And so we were at home. My husband and I, we were working with Lizzie on, on her speech. And so when she turned five and she went to kindergarten, you know, I had my first parent-teacher conference. And the teacher asked me, what are any concerns? And I said, well, you know, hey, I would like to get her screened, you know, put for speech. Can I put in this referral? And so the teacher was like, oh, Okay, and so, you know, we set everything up with the speech teacher. I took Lizzie once again up to that school and she was super smiley and happy. Um, She did her screening. And so then afterwards, the speech teacher, she met me and she uh, said, well, you know, if she was in school, I would possibly pull her out for speech service. But since she's doing remote, you know, I, I mean... I'm kind of on the fence. And so she said, which I mean, to me was just mind blowing. She said that, you know, one of the main sounds that she doesn't have is that TH sound. That's. And so me knowing that I really wanted this service for my child and also knowing, you know, thinking about like the this speech teacher's caseload, you know, like I, I didn't want to stress the speech teacher. But I thought that TH sound is super important in Leslie's life. Our last name is Thickpin. So every time she says her name, like if she doesn't have this sound, she's going to be reminded of that 
she's going to be re- reminded that uh, of this problem or this delay in her life. Um, and so I didn't want that for her. And so, you know, I like smiled and I looked at the speech teacher. I was like, yeah, but that TH is a pretty important sound. And so, and I remember looking at the speech teacher, she's holding the paper that I, I knew I was supposed to sign to say, yes, you know, she needs this service. And I thought, well, if it wasn't that big of a concern, why would you even bring this paper out? And so, um, you know, I signed it, she's giving speech, but to me, it was always this frustration because people always looked at Leslie in this concern that I had in terms of what she was. Oh, she speaks well for a Head Start child. Or she speaks well for, you know, we were financially, we were low income. She speaks well for a low income family. Like both her parents have bachelor's degrees. Both of her parents speak to her. So it was always that she speaks well for what she came from or these conditions and not she just speaks well. And so, you know, I had to think if she was a child of a different color or what if her father and I were, you know, upper middle class, would there have been more of a, a rush to, hey, yes, let's get her these service. But because she's a black child and right now she's a poor black child, she speaks well to be a poor black child. So. I mean, we'll just, we'll take that TH now. That's not that important. And so it was just this journey um, that I had to be on and to also know that some parents don't know how to navigate this system. And I was luckily, lucky that I did. That sounds like a journey and a journey that I think a lot of families can probably um, relate to. And so um, for the last question I have is how, um, what are some recommendations that you have for families who are going to be advocating for their children like you did? Um, What are some strategies that you found helpful in that, um, in that advocating process? Remembering that I am the greatest advocate and the first teacher for you, my child. Um, because yes, there were times when I, you know, wanted to give up. Yes, I didn't want to come off as the the bossy mom, or um, I want to have a good relationship with the school district. And so, you know, sometimes it's like, well, maybe I I can silence myself. Maybe I can be quiet. Maybe this will make a better relationship for this situation. But at the end of the day, it's about my child. You know. I, I thought about the speech teacher's caseload <laughs> and they almost turned, almost made me turn down getting my child this service. But it's like at the, end of, in the, at the end of the day, I want what's best for my child. I want them to be successful and I want to give them all the tools to be successful. Sometimes, so sometimes that means um, bumping heads. Sometimes that means communicating in a different manner. Like, Yes, it's, it gets exhausting sometimes, constantly being an advocate for your child and feeling like no one else is speaking up for your child. But that's yours. That's your child. Like, I birthed this baby. This is it's my husband's too, but this is, this is my child. And I am this educator. And I have this responsibility to use my experience and to advocate for my child just as I would teach my students' parents to advocate for them. Absolutely. Well, Lacey, thank you so much for um, 
telling your story of um, getting Leslie the services that she needs and deserves. And um, I appreciate your time. And um, for those listeners, if you are a parent with a similar story or with a story you'd like to share, um, please contact um, me when the information is down below in the podcast episode details. So thank you very much.